0: The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. Humor has enormous benefits for mental well-being, for physical health, and even for your bottom line. Yet, most leaders are massively underinvested in humor as an asset. Investing in my organization's sense of humor in this economy?
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Next Big Idea Daily. Today, we're going to talk about a very serious topic the topic of humor. Now, I won't subject you to any of my dad jokes, but the fact is that being even a little bit funny is something of a superpower in business and in life. It's not something you'll read about in most leadership books, but it is something you'll learn about in Humor Seriously, Why Humor is a Secret Weapon in Business and Life and How Anyone Can Harness It, Even You, by Jennifer Acker and Naomi Bogdanis. Jennifer is a professor at the Stanford Graduate School of Business, and her work has been published in leading scientific journals and featured in The Economist, The New York Times, The Wall Street Journal, The Atlantic, and Science. Naomi is an executive coach, a stand-up comedian, and an improv teacher. Together, they teach a popular Stanford course called Humor, Serious Business. Their premise is that by understanding and leaning into your personal style of humor, you can build connections, project confidence, and generally have more fun. Here they are to share some of their big ideas.
0: Hi, I'm Jennifer Auker. And I'm Naomi Bagdonis. Together we teach courses at Stanford's Graduate School of Business about the power of humor in business.
2: What we found is that humor is a transformative superpower that's under leveraged both in business and in life by leaders, whether a CEO or a parent, trying to drive meaningful results and by ordinary people trying to
0: live happier, fuller, and more authentic lives at home and at work. You can't afford to be humorless. We are in the midst of a mental health crisis, with rates of depression skyrocketing to unparalleled levels as a global pandemic and social isolation pile onto already stressful work conditions. None of this is funny, and yet your company's greatest salve just might be humor. Seriously. Humor has enormous benefits for mental well being, for physical health, and even for your bottom line. Yet, most leaders are massively underinvested in humor as an asset. Investing in my organization's sense of humor? In this economy? Connor D. yaman is not most leaders. Connor is a serial entrepreneur, and he recently joined a large nonprofit called Merit America as their co CEO. His first all hand Zoom call with his organization was scheduled amidst a challenging time for the world and a particularly divisive time in the U.S. In this context, Connor wanted to acknowledge the hardship of the moment while signaling care and reassurance. So during the call, he was sharing his screen, and when it was time for someone else to speak, he pretended to leave his screen share on, accidentally. As everyone held their breath watching him, he went to Google and he typed in, things inspirational CEOs say during hard times. Everyone lost it. It was a beautiful moment of levity and signaling of vulnerability in a totally unexpected way. And it was intentional. It wasn't hard, and it had a very real upside for Connor. When people use humor at work, and it doesn't even need to be good humor, it just has to be not inappropriate humor, the bar here is very low, they're 23% more respected. They're also seen as more competent and more confident. Employees who rate their leaders as having a sense of humor, any sense of humor, reported to be 15% more satisfied and engaged in their jobs. And they rate their leaders as 27% more motivating and admired. Now, if you're not into being motivating or admired or having engaged employees, there is still a role for humor in your cold, cold heart, because it also translates to more negotiating power. Studies have shown that adding a simple, mildly funny line to the end of a sales pitch, like My final offer is X, and I'll throw in my pet frog, increases customers' willingness to pay by an average of 18%. Part of this is that shared laughter accelerates a feeling of closeness and trust. When pairs of strangers laugh together for five minutes before completing a self-disclosure exercise, their interactions are rated on average as 30% more intimate than the control condition. Even reminiscing about moments of shared laughter makes individuals report being 23% more satisfied in their relationships. All the while, research by Gallup shows that one of the greatest drivers of employee performance is having a close friend at work. So here's a tip. If you're trying to accomplish something important and concrete, don't write off humor as unimportant. Instead, ask yourself how you can use humor to better accomplish your goals. And consider throwing in your pet frog. Humor changes our
2: brains. A lot of humor's power is chemical. When we laugh, our brains release a cocktail of healthy hormones. Dopamine, endorphins, oxytocin. And this changes not just how we feel more calm, confident, and resourceful, but how others perceive us as more influential, likable, and trustworthy. Oxytocin, by the way, is the same hormone released during sex and childbirth. Both moments when, evolutionarily, it benefits us to feel bonded. In other words, having sex, giving birth, and laughing with colleagues on Zoom have more in common than you might think. Everyone's building bonds, and no one's wearing pants. Humor also makes you live longer. Yes, you live longer. One large-scale Norwegian study conducted over the course of 15 years found that people with a sense of humor have a 30% better chance of survival if severe disease strikes. And they live eight years longer. And those are eight relatively high-quality funny years. Also remember, this study was run in Norway, not a country really known for its comic ability. So laughter literally makes us more physically resilient. It may actually be the best medicine. After you know. Actual medicine. So a tip. Simply be more generous with laughter. Look for people laughing around you and join in, for both of your sakes. Physiologically, humor is kind of like drugging your colleagues but in a completely healthy way. Like Spanx founder and CEO Sarah Blakely, she mailed the head buyer from Neiman Marcus a shoe one time, and she enclosed a handwritten note saying, trying to get my foot in the door. Have a minute to chat? Or Secretary of State Madeleine Albright singing a humorous duet with her counterpart in the Russian government after a particularly tense first meeting. Seriously. It was a takeoff on the West Side Story called East-West Story. Just signaling that your sense of humor has a heartbeat makes a shockingly big difference.
0: We have all fallen off a humor cliff. Clearly, humor is powerful. The problem is we've lost our sense of humor. Over a million people in 166 countries were asked a really simple question. Did you smile or laugh yesterday? For those who are 16, 18, 20, the answer largely is yes. Then, around age 23... The answer becomes no, and we don't start laughing again until we retire. Put another way, the average four-year-old laughs 300 times a day. It takes the average 40-year-old two and a half months to laugh that many times. So, how do we climb back up the humor cliff? Here's a tip: use techniques from comedians. First, observe. Humor isn't about inventing the perfect one-liner from thin air, but it's about noticing what's true in your life. At the end of each day. Write down five observations from the day. Simple things like how excited your dog is at dinner time, or how you take a walk around the block every afternoon to break up the day, or how you actually took a work call today in your underwear. Really simple observations. Then try using the rule of three by creating a simple list where the last item is a bit unexpected. Like this, I miss so many things about office life going for spontaneous coffee chats, getting supportive eye contact from colleagues, and wearing pants. Try exaggerating the third thing even further, like this. By far the most thrilling part of my day is when I get dressed to the nines, leave my house, and circle the block just to feel something. Find your
2: authentic humor style. When we survey
0: thousands of people
2: about what holds them back from using humor at work, Paramount was the belief that they aren't funny, and there are a few things backwards about this belief. First is the implicit assumption that humor is about being funny. What's far more important than cracking jokes is cultivating joy, shifting your mindset, and looking for reasons to smile. Second is the belief that a sense of humor is something you either have or don't have. But everyone has a sense of humor, which is part of how you see life, whether or not it's expressed. In reality, your sense of humor is like a muscle. Even if it feels weak right now, the more you flex it, the easier and more natural it becomes, both to make yourself laugh and others laugh. One thing that helps is getting to know your authentic humor style. Over the last five years, we've run studies that show people tend to fall into four broad humor styles. The first style is the stand-up. These are bold, natural entertainers who aren't afraid to cross a line and ruffle a few feathers to get a laugh. They build intimacy through teasing, and we'll often hear stand-up say, if I'm making fun of you, it's a sign that I like you. Next is this sweetheart, and they're more subtle and affiliative, as we call it, meaning they use humor that uplifts others rather than teasing or poking fun. Sweethearts tend to be earnest and honest and understated, so listening closely when a sweetheart is in the room is important. And then there's snipers. Snipers are edgy, sarcastic, nuanced, They pick their moments carefully and joke more often to make a point than to lift people up or tear them down. Though they don't seek the spotlight, they also won't hesitate to cross a line for a laugh. Last is the magnet. They're affiliative and expressive, that big personality who gets everyone laughing in a positive way. They're outgoing and keep things warm and uplifting, avoiding controversial humor while radiating charisma. So here's the tip disabuse yourself of the idea that using humor is the same thing as being funny. Get to know and practice your humor style. You can take our humor quiz at humorseriously.com to find out what style you are. And once you do, take small steps toward bringing it to work with you. You might not be the Zoom practical joker like Connor, the shoe mailer like Sarah, or the duet singer like Secretary of State Albright. But whatever style you are, the sooner you can start flexing the muscle, the stronger it will become.
1: Thank you, Jennifer and Naomi. Listeners, I have no idea how funny you are or think you are, but try leaning into your humor style a little bit this week. See if it adds a bit of joy to your life. Jennifer and Naomi have also been featured on our weekly podcast hosted by my colleague and friend, Rufus Griscom. If you don't know about that one, search for the next big idea in your podcast player. Come on back tomorrow when we'll hear from Shankar Vedantam, host of the popular podcast, Hidden Brain, and author of Useful Delusions, The Power and Paradox of the Self-Deceiving Brain. I'm Michael Kovnett. See you soon.